Hey guys, brand new podcast. Hey guys, brand new podcast. Hey guys, I'm on tour. I'm on tour. I'm leaving to go shoot Go Big Show. Big surprises there. Uh, tomorrow? No, no, no. Sunday. And then I'm on tour. September 8th, I am at Red Rocks. Just so you know, I've acquired mushrooms to watch Jimmy Buffett. They will be. <laughs> I'm going to watch Jimmy Buffett on the 9th, and I will be eating mushrooms. Your I'm sweet so- worked. I'm so my tweet worked. I got so many mushrooms. I watched this great podcast, this great show. Okay, let's do tour dates and then I'll tell you all about it. September 8th, I'm at Red Rocks, Morrison, Colorado. There are a few tickets left. We've just added seats. Uh, the Park Theater at the Mirage in Las Vegas, September 25th, Montgomery, Alabama. Augusta, Georgia, Charleston, West Virginia, Charlotte, North Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Where are my Florida dates? Are my Florida dates not on here? Oh, here we go. Green Bay, Wisconsin, Peoria, Illinois, Sioux City, Iowa, Tampa, Florida, Tampa, Florida, Tampa, Florida. We got three shows in Tampa, Florida. We got three shows in Orlando, Florida. I'm going to the fucking Florida State game Saturday. I'm going to I'm going to fucking get myself from Orlando to Tallahassee that Saturday morning. I'm going to watch the game and then I'm going to get myself back to Orlando for that show that night. Then I'm going back to Tallahassee to do a show for the first time in 24 years. I will be in Tallahassee. At the Donald L. Tucker Civic Center, October 24th. The Florida Theater in Jacksonville. We'll go surfing that day. We're going to probably go uh, spearfishing during the week before the Hollywood, Florida shows or the Fort Myers shows. Two shows in Fort Myers. I'm going to get to hang out with that dude from, uh, from, from... Whatchamacallit that I like so much. Anyway, the tour dates are up at burtburtburt.com. They go all the way through New Year's Eve. They go through April, really. And I'm on tour. I can't fucking wait to see you on tour. We, I am, I am vaccinated and ready to fucking party. We're going old school. We did it over at uh, the Borgata. We got loose. And by the way, didn't have a cough, didn't have a fever, and I can still taste barbecue. So we're good, man. Let's get down. I can't wait. I'm not going to be the fucking one to tell you what's what to do about fucking your life. So let's just party. That's all I give a fuck about. This cast comes off today. I can't fucking wait. Have we talked about my surgery? No. I got surgery last week. I, I think you probably heard it on my podcast with Leanne. You will definitely hear it on two podcasts with Tom. I start to spiral a little bit the day before surgery. And Tom starts fucking with me, showing me his surgery. We start talking about the death odds. And I was a tight wound cunt. I was really fucking shitty to Leanne. I got into fights with her. It was not perfect, not ideal, but I'm out of it. I get my cast off today. I get my stitches out today. I get my brace on today, and it's all about recovery. If there's one thing this kid can do, it's recover. I'm good at the fucking next morning punishing yourself to get yourself better. I'm good at that. I'm not good. I'm not good with emotions. I'm not good with anxiety. I'm not good at, I like, there's a lot of things I'm not good at, but I'm honest as fuck. And trust me when I say that honesty comes back to bite you in the ass sometimes. Whew. But fuck it. That's the horse I rode in on, right? So let's just be honest. Let's be very honest. Dude, I saw one of the best podcasts I've seen in a long time. Joe Rogan. Look, Joe Rogan always hits dingers, right? He's got a podcast? He's got a podcast. He just started, I think. Oh, and good for I think him. He's in, I think he's in Waco, Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's 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 mostly um, a comedy podcast, but every now and then he'll talk about some uh, some you know hot button topic issues. You think he'll have you on ever? I hope so. I'd like to befriend him and maybe do his podcast. Um, 
<laughs> By the way, uh, the uh, I, I, I haven't done this podcast in a long time. I, I, well, I guess I did it a year ago, right before COVID. But you haven't been to Texas, right? I haven't been to Texas yet. Wait, which podcast did you like of his? The one with the fucking North Korean uh, dissident. Uh, did you listen to it? Holy shit. Andrew heard it. Yeah. Andrew's in the back. He's in the other room. Dude. First of all, what that woman, uh, Park is her last name. Her first name is Leo, Leone, Leomia, Leomia. I think I'm saying it right. I Googled her because uh, she has such a fascinating story. And, and what's amazing is how different. Someone tagged me. I think it was Chase Lepard tagged me in a, in a thing. And she was talking about Kim Jong-un's lifestyle. By the way, me and Kim Jong-un would be fucking, we're very similar. I think he'd meet me and go, you are my spirit animal. And I'd be like, yeah, I think so. But man, the life over in North Korea is unimaginable. You have to listen to that podcast to get a little perspective on how good you have it. Go to your refrigerator, get yourself a fucking ice cold beer and listen to this podcast. And, and halfway through that beer, you're going to feel guilty about all the shit you have around and how little they have in North Korea. I mean, halfway through the podcast, I was like, I was like, how do we not invade that country and free those people? She didn't even know what a white person was. She, this is such a good fucking podcast. What's her name? Wow. Yami Park. It, it is such a good podcast. And, and Rogan did such a great fucking job. I almost texted him. And then I was like, eh, I bet a lot of people text him about, I never texted him about a podcast before. Like I've never been like great job on your podcast. Well, by the way, Oh, he's texted me before. I should maybe text him. It was fucking an amazing podcast. On the flip side, today I have Sebastian Maniscalco on. Like, we're not breaking any fucking codes. We're not going to break down any barriers. But Sebastian is the funniest motherfucker working. He is killing it. He's doing a full-blown arena tour. He just did two nights at the Ryman. Uh, he's, I mean, he's sold out. He sold out a new venue in 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 New York city so quickly, they added a show at the Barclays center in Brooklyn. He's killing it. And, and you know, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think we're the last two comedians in Los Angeles. So we've gotten very close and uh, we're very different men. It's really interesting to be around him, to hear his perspective. Cause if I, the idea that I'm barefoot, I know I'm always barefoot. I love being barefoot. I grew up in fucking Florida. He grew up in Chicago. He is, uh, it's so funny because my daughters know Sebastian, no, not know him, but they know Sebastian. And we were at the Borgata and these, these Italian couple got in the elevator and he was talking. He's like, yo, 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 Tina, I say we go down, we get some meatballs, you know, a little bang, 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 go out, you know? And my daughters were like, uh, they got out of the elevator and they're like, those were Italians. And I was like, you've never met an Italian before? And they're like, not like a real one. I go, what about Sebastian? And they go, he's Italian. I was like, what the fuck? But it's a great podcast. You're going to absolutely love it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for checking it out. Check me out on tour. Uh, check out Two Bears, One Cave. Check out Bill Burt. Check out Leanne's podcast. We did a great podcast with Miss Pat that's coming out in, a, I think, next week, maybe. A couple weeks, yeah. I think when whenever she's got a new show on BET+. Plus. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're fine-tuning everything, getting everything streamlined so we can put out a bunch of content to keep you occupied for the second coming lockdown. When the, the country shuts down and us great Americans put masks on again and listen to people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Didn't I just say I wasn't going to talk about this? Yep. Didn't I just say I was going to talk about this? Mm -hmm. Not my fucking face over my dead hands. What is it? What is that? How do you say taking your guns away? Pry my, cold dead. Pry my mask from my cold, dead teeth. Mm -hmm. I wear a mask if I go outside. 
I wear it on a plane. I'm a fucking hypocrite. But I got vaccinated. Johnson and Johnson, son. <laughs> hey, let's run through some jokes that I wrote lately to see if you guys find them funny. I wrote suck a dick by proxy. That's based off a joke where I found out that uh, this girl I made out with sucked Sean Hooker's dick before earlier in the night. Um, I only see the top of my dick. That's an interesting angle. Sometimes comedy's in the smallest things. Well, okay, this is a good. You want to hear a really good story? Mm-hmm. Okay, this is. A, this is a, by the way, I, I'm going to bring back uh, solo podcasts. Oh yeah, I'm going to bring back solo podcasts or or or, or what you call it, and have you and Andrew in here, kind of just to talk to me, and and we'll do. I think we should do some of those. So those are. I think this is a fun energy sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I listen too much on my podcast and I just don't get a time to shine. You know, same thing mm-hmm. with Two Buyers, One Cave. I listen so much to what Tom's saying that, quite honestly, I don't feel like I get a voice. Um, <laughs> so sometimes comedy is in the smallest look, right? In the smallest look. So I tore, I, I, I was on this show trip flip with this guy, uh, State King. It's State King. You know State King, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Paul is one of my best friends. I love Paul to death. Paul's a lot like me. We partied hard. And I remember waking up one morning and he goes, and I go, my, my blood pressure is out of control today. I'm certain of it. And he goes, he goes, oh, double up on your blood pressure medicine. And I went, really? And he goes, yeah, that's what you do. If you party hard, just take an extra pill the next day. I said, for real? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad's a doctor. Trust me. So, uh, so I start doing that and I start not worrying about my blood pressure at all. And then, and then I fell off a waterfall. Uh, I fell off a waterfall. <laughs> And, uh, and I, I, I'm, and, and as I fell, I got down and I said to Paul, <laughs> who's my producer, I said, what happened? And he goes like, I guess the guy wasn't watching you. <laughs> I go, wasn't he supposed to? And he goes, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was changing a battery on my camera. <laughs> and then I said, can we get me hella, hella vac out of here? And he goes, yeah. And he calls up and he goes, no, it turns out they're, they're not, they can't do a hella vac out of this Canyon. It's 210 feet deep. They can't get a helicopter in here. It's too narrow. So it looks like you have to crawl out. And I was like, are you, are you being serious? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we get to the top of the trailhead. I finally crawl my way out and the medics are there and they take my blood pressure and they go, his blood pressure is 170 over 120. <laughs> and, uh, and they said, have you been taking your blood pressure medicine? And I said, well, yeah, lately I have. Well, lately I've been doubling it up. Paul's sitting right there. I go, I've been doubling it up because I, I sometimes I'll, I feel like I'm partying too hard. And the woman goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You're never supposed to double up your medication. And I said, what? She goes, don't ever start self-prescribing your, who told you how to, who told you to do this? And I look at Paul, he very calmly shrugs his shoulders and goes, oh, I'm over three today. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, shit. You okay? <clears throat> I, uh, sometimes comedy is in that, in that moment that moment that just makes you giggle and fucking made me giggle so fucking hard oh, i'm over three today god my mom's just passed out did you see that <laughs> yeah you i almost like just passed out burp cough fit good god all right let's start the podcast ladies and gentlemen without further ado stand-up comedian actor host of his own show on discovery plus called well done i was on an episode we had steaks it was fucking amazing my friend father husband comedian italian sebastian maniscalco 
This is Overcast. Dude, I just need this. I need to get on that plane to Serbia and be done. And once I get on the plane to Serbia, I'm good. Are you leaving this week? Next Monday. Wow. Yeah, Monday in a week. So what's what's your feelings on all this? Are you excited, nervous? Very fucking nervous. What's what got you nervous? Just doing a big movie like this, or yeah, this will come out after we've announced the movie, right? Yeah. yeah okay, we can roll. We'll talk. I can talk about it. Okay. I think, and then just edit. Make sure we can clip it out if they don't want us to. You know, I, I've been in this business doing my comfort zone for so long. Just stand up hosting podcast, stand up hosting podcast. That's it. And I just gave my daughters this huge speech about. I just gave them this huge speech about success and why certain people are successful and that if you don't challenge yourself by making yourself uncomfortable if you need to put yourself in the situations where you're uncomfortable if you do that enough then every situation you you come in front of you're going to be ready to cha- take it on as a challenge because you you enjoy the uncomfort and i loved it when we were younger and being a comic and fuck it i'll do any show put me on any time i don't care yeah i want to do that i'll do that and then you get older and you get in your comfort zone and you're like you're like, God damn it, I shouldn't have given that speech. <laughs> what was the last thing you did where you were uncomfortable, where you were, like, nervous? Uncomfortable, nervous. Uh, well, this show that I'm coming off, I was uncomfortable just because I've, uh, it, it was a, a food comedy show I hosted, doing interviews, never done anything like that before. And I think it's like we build it up in our head that, oh, new thing, can I do this? Is it going to be funny? But then after you do it, you're like, why was I so worried about it? Like, uh, you know, you're going to go off and do this movie. And uh, I'm sure you're, you're, it's something you've never done before. And you're, I don't know, know, what's going through your head right now? Um, (laughs) I have so much. Honestly, what's going through my head is, Bert, you cannot party your fucking balls off on an average night and wake up hungover. Like, cause I, I did that last night. I drank, I started drinking at like 11 o'clock yesterday, having a cigar, really treating myself. I had nothing to do, no workout. And I woke up this morning with like piss sweats going like, what the fuck are you doing? And I knew I had a workout. I got this. I got a the consultation with my daughter's, uh, what you call it? I got a doctor's appointment. I got another podcast with Eddie Ift at four. I know I'll be drinking on that one. I got to give notes for the script. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You got shit to do. Like you can, and I literally, I was like, you need to put yourself in check there. I don't want to not drink like that's And that's where my fucking brain is. The simplest thing. I was actually thinking of you this morning going, does Sebastian ever wake up and go, fuck, I don't feel good today. <laughs> yeah, believe me, I've had that many a times, but I'm just uh, fascinated on you got two podcasts and you know already. You're, three, three. Oh, three today. No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, two today. Yeah, two today. Yeah. So you're doing Eddie yeah. Ift, yeah, right? Uh, yeah. How do you know you're drinking on that one? And what today? Uh, this one you're not drinking. I know, but I just know that that's not you. So I, I, I get comfortable. Oh, okay. Like you're just a regular adult. And then, <laughs> but like you also don't have anything to prove. Like you, you just like, I could do the podcast. Like, and then when Eddie comes on, I think you know Eddie's got a special he's trying to promote. He's got an album I think that just came out. And so Eddie will want to go hard in the paint. Sometimes you can feel the energy before a podcast when someone's like, I'm ready to fucking, I want to go hard. Like, uh, 
go hard with, with with the drinking yeah because they know that if like if, if we drink on the podcast the fucking numbers are always better because people say a lot of regretful things oh god yeah i've said so i was thinking of that of you today i was like sebastian does not have a body of work in podcasting that's 10 years long of him just getting wasted and high and <laughs> laughing at green lighting inappropriate jokes <laughs> i was like you're so fucking lucky i look i sit in panic sometimes going what have i laughed at <laughs> like not what have i said what have i laughed at like segura said some horrible stuff to me and i know that i'll be the one that go, they go but look the way he's enjoying it <laughs> you know yeah yeah no that's that's true where where you got a question now your your laughter right i mean i first we 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 have and i don't even know if this has been brought up on your cast before and i know we're we're in your home yeah that's that's no secret right yeah, right have you always done the podcast barefoot <laughs> I, I, yeah i actually have i think i've done a lot of i don't like shoes i'm not a shoe guy so you were the kid that grew up in uh, walking around um, barefoot, barefoot in the street. Oh guy? yeah, oh hardcore. Okay, speedo barefoot. That was it. That was in the summer. Put on a speedo, be barefoot the whole summer. All right. Well, I guess the Florida vibe kind of gives you that like uh, freedom. Oh, a bear. You know? I I go places barefoot that I don't realize you're not supposed to go barefoot. Like where you, someone's like, "Well, I you can't just walk into a store barefoot." And I'm like, "In Florida, you can. You definitely can in Florida." Or and and I'm if I'm not barefoot, I'm definitely wearing flip flops. All right, I was wondering where that came from because I always see you walking around barefoot, and I'm like, is this guy just got kind of like a, a sweat problem with with the socks and shoes? Or? Well, I, you know, and also I get a little OCD about getting like when you buy nice shoes, and then if you walk around in dirt, then you kind of ruin nice shoes as opposed to I wear I like good shoes for stage, like nice shoes, but I want them clean. So like I I have stage shoes that I travel with in a bag. That I don't, I only wear, I only put on, and like, I won't walk in the snow in them. Like, I'll wear other shoes into the theater, put my shoes on. Well, I just like the pristineness of it. Well, speaking of shoes, I was kind of upset when I when I arrived here today that um, I wasn't really made aware that this is a full blown construction site, and I, I would have wore my construction boots. <laughs> I was uh, I was wondering, those are nice shoes. Which shoes are those? Tom Ford. Uh, Tom Ford. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have wore I would have wore something a little bit more aggressive. I'm walking through rocks out there. I know, right? I'm walking barefoot. <laughs> wait. So wait. When was the so when you did Green Book? let's i'm just gonna say green book because i think that's more accessible for me because I've, I've watched that a couple times um were you nervous getting on set oh yeah no that was first really kind of big movie i did i've done like a little handful of movies where i just pop in and pop out yeah but this was actually a, a little role i had and then i'm i'm with vigo mortensen so you know i don't i'm not a thespian you know i mean i've taken acting you're a good class. actor you're a good actor well thanks but i mean i'm i'm not you know it's not something that i'm like trained in or what have you I've, I've taken classes in the past and i take classes if i have a role or a private coach or what have you but you know i i didn't know what to expect when i walked on the set because i'm working with people who are you know veterans and 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 you know masters of their craft so yeah you're walking into that situation you know, I just, the unknown, that's what I don't like. Yeah. Plus, when you walk into a movie and it's like in the middle of the movie, like they've been shooting already for 20 days. Oh. I never was a good, a good like, uh, first day of school at a new school type of guy. 
uh, making buddies and I friends. Was horrible at that. You were. I, I would was th- think you'd be the life of the party. No, I was. I, I'm very shy. Oddly enough, like I'm very like reserved. My first day of first grade, I cried the entire first day in the front of the class, holding the teacher's hand, sobbed, looking at the other kids. What if our parents don't come home? What if they don't bring us home? Like I'm not, and I'm not. I I think my personality is a little bigger to compensate for that insecurity. You know, I think, I don't know, but, uh, that would freak me out if they were all, all had been doing a movie for a month and then I rolled in, yeah. everyone's busting balls and you're just sitting there going, yeah, that's kind of what, where my head was. I was like, okay, how am I going to insert myself into this project and, you know, get, pick up where these people have been, you know, they knew each other for 20 days and now I'm the new guy in town. So yeah, I was nervous, but they were great. You know, Peter Fairley, the director was really uh welcoming Vigo. He 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 slapped me in the face on one of the takes, uh, the first take, and then he w- came back. He goes, "Hey man, was was that okay that, that I did that?" I go, "Bro, you can body slam me, <laughs> whatever you want. I'm just happy to be here." <laughs> so you'd be shocked what I won't mention to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was really really cool movie to be a part of. Learned a lot uh doing that and uh you know i I believe that was just a little you know brick in the foundation for other movies to come you know kind of learn and then take it into um other movies what's vigo mortensen like he seems like he'd be like a cool dude cool dude again not the type of guy myself like uh to be hanging around with the cast really uh when they yell cut you know I'll, I'll you know i'm there yeah uh, but i'm not mr social i'll kind of like again this is this is, this goes back to, to school at, 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 you know at recess i was the kid that never said hey can i play with you I was, <laughs> i've never said that in my life <laughs> <laughs> i envy kids that can say that i envy people back in the day when we had phones or when we had cameras who would hand you a camera and go can you take a picture of me <laughs> that makes me fucking cringe. I did it one time. One time I've, I've asked someone to take a picture of me. I was at the Grand Canyon and and uh and I was and I was by myself. I was with uh Bobby Kelly, Matt Frost, and Vincent Nastry. And th- we were with each other, but I was with myself and I thought, I'm gonna make myself uncomfortable. I'm gonna go ask someone to take a picture of me. I'm gonna take a picture by myself. So I get asked this lady, can you take a picture of me? She said yes, and she took a picture of me, and I was douche chills, nervous, like fuck, like oh. And then we asked the same lady to take a picture of all of us, <laughs> and I realized she didn't have the Grand Canyon in the picture. She was her back was to the Grand Canyon, and she was just taking a picture of us at the gift shop. And then oh. Matt Frost goes, "Maybe we could have the Grand Canyon in the background." <laughs> and I went, "Fuck!" My only picture of myself is with the gift shop. <laughs> um. So wait, when they y'all cut, you just go, I'm going home? No, no. I, um, you know, I again, I it takes me, I'm like a souffle. It takes a while, <laughs> you know, I, to get to, you know, talking. And, and I'm nice, but I, I don't kind of seek out conversation, uh, which is a weakness of mine, which I wish I had a little bit more of an outgoing person. My, my wife, my wife will talk to anybody. Very outgoing. And uh, yeah, smiling and always like welcoming. And my uh, kind of 
I don't want to call it a loner, but uh, just a little bit more guarded could be misconstrued as, uh, you know, like I don't want to talk to anybody. It's just that I'm, I'm like you, I'm a shy guy. But so, because so when I'm with someone and they're not talking, I get very nervous. And it's almost like I hear, that's why I talk so much, I think, is that I feel like if I'm around someone who doesn't talk, I just start yammering on. Because I get uncomfortable when someone's talk, talk, not talking. Do you get uncomfortable? No, like a guy like you, right? Yeah. Actually, we were talking about this after you did the show. Uh, I was talking to Lana. I said, Bert's the type of guy, when he's talking, you're just listening, which I have no problem doing. There's some people that will try, and maybe you could, you could uh, talk to this, will try to out-talk you. Right. Yeah. Because there's no, there's no, um, there's no surprise here that in this conversation you are the more outgoing, talkative one. Which I, I realize that, and then I will take a step back. I'm like a, I'm like a chameleon. <laughs> I adapt to the situation. So if I'm around people who love to talk, I, I don't say much. Really. Yeah, I I don't feel like I I need to like okay, they're on. This is this is, and I'll just step back. I, I don't need to compete for the attention. Oh, I, this is gonna sound really bad. I don't need to compete for the attention. I know that it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I have said to Leanne, why are we letting her talk? She's not interesting, and she's crazy. Let me talk and it'll be a fun time. Like I can orchestrate the conversation. We on our first date, second date, like a double date. She, I said, I got in the car and I went, that was fucking awesome. And she goes, well, yeah, for you. I go, what do you mean? She goes, you talked the whole time. You didn't let anyone else talk. I go, oh, they're boring people. She goes, what do you mean they're boring people? I go, they're good people, but they're just, she's crazy. And he's going to agree with everything she says. And so what am I going to fucking let her talk? Like you couldn't tell. I, I go, honestly, I felt like whatever story she was telling, I almost felt like she was telling it to us for no reason at all. It was like a crazy story. And I thought she was going to cry. And she goes, well, we don't know because she never kind of worded edgewise. So we went on a second double date with them. She started to tell the same story. Oh, God. And she started sobbing, crying, sobbing, crying at an Indian restaurant. <laughs> and I looked at Leanne and I was like, do you want me to save the day? Cause I can get us out of this. And she was, I was like, or we can wallow in this. And th cause this is what you fucking wanted. I mean, I, like there are certain people I love to listen to. Um, but if it's like, we're talking about pedestrians and we're at a dinner party. I mean, you're in. I'm, and I can, by the way, I'm, I'll take one step further. If I hear someone telling a bad story, I'll fix the story for them. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, listen, I'll let a bad score story go. I won't save it at all. I can save it for them. I, I've done it. I've, I wanted to do a podcast called Let Me Tell You Your Story. And because people will tell me a story and then I'll go, hey, in the future, this is how you should tell it. And they'll be like, what? I'm like, trust me, you're giving us a lot of information that you think is important, but it's not important to the story. Yeah. Can, I've done it to Tom Segura. I've told, I've told him his stories back to him. And he's like, none of that happened. I go, but it's a better story. Like, just stick with that one. He's like, yeah, but I, that's not how it went. I went, but does it matter? Like, Everyone's having a good time. You're in and out of there. You just told a killer story. Everyone's like, God damn it. That's fucking crazy. You found his wallet and then fuck you. Your dad was right about you. Like, <laughs> I can't help it. 
Yeah, I I believe that a lot of people tell stories and that story could be condensed oh. uh, at least 50 to 60 percent uh, without, you know, a lot of the unneeded information. Uh, that's why a lot of the times, you know, you hang out with comedians, you're spoiled because the stories are so ripe and so good. And, you know, generally speaking, they're very entertaining. And then you start hanging out with people who, you know, are not, you know, not comedians. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the, the stories don't have the, yeah, the flavor. And you're just sitting there going, <laughs> like, and I, it's you're right. We're spoiled in that, in that, and it's not. I mean, I don't know what things will be like when things open up now, but you know, a year ago, you'd go into the green room and you'd hang out with the most interesting, funniest, best telling a story motherfuckers in the world. I mean, Norm MacDonald telling a story to you is one of the most captivating, just, you just, he is a masterful storyteller. And, and then you go out on a double date and you're like, Ugh, this guy's not bringing the thunder. Yeah, yeah. I had Norm MacDonald telling me Bill Clinton stories last night, <laughs> smoking weed and fucking everyone's on the ground crying, laughing. Yeah. Once you're, uh, once you're used to that and you you can't really hear other stories. Do you and Lana have like a, a pacing? Like, like, do you guys like, cause I've noticed the older Leanne and I have gotten the more like bitty we've the character we've gotten. Like I'm the crazy guy. She like, but it was never that way when we first started dating, but it's turned into that. Like, yeah, with Lana and I, this is kind of what's bothering me about uh, our yin and yang if we're around a group of people. She'll go tell the story about that, that, that right? <laughs> which I never like. I never like prompt stories. I like to I like to read the room to see if they're ready for a story. <laughs> but sometimes I'll I'll appease her. I said, okay, yeah, no, I'll tell her. So I start telling the story, and then she'll jump in to add like color comment or take over the story. So she, yeah. she hijacks the story and I told her, I go, listen, I kind of do this for a living. I kind of <laughs> know the beats. I kind of know, you know, where to put the, you can't just keep jumping in because when you jump in it, it, it you know, it, it throws the flow off. Yeah. So uh, that seems to be something new in our relationship. That didn't really happen in the beginning, but I think, as you grow older, yeah. you think you got like the same mind. And uh, a lot of the times it's just like, babe, come on. I mean, <laughs> just let me do this. Leanne will cock block my stories. She'll go, that didn't happen. And I go, hold on, easy. So I'm just saying, it was a Thursday. And I'm like, it doesn't matter, Thursday, Friday, it doesn't matter. She goes, well, yeah. it was a Thursday. I go, well, it just, it's better if it's a Friday. Cause then it's, we, we knew the weekend was coming up. And if I said Thursday, they'd be like, well, you had one more day. Well, I just let me say Friday, does it fucking matter? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, those little things like it doesn't like doesn't matter in the telling of the story. Like Lana will tell a story and like you were saying before, give a lot of information that's really not needed to propel the story to where it needs to go. And I don't know. This is just listen, we we doing this for a living. We kind of yeah. we kind of know what to cut out, what to add in, and to expect anybody else to do that might be a little bit more uh uh I don't know. I used to say it was like Leanne would, it was like she ripped five pages out of a book and then started reading them, expecting you to get the whole book. 
And you're like, wait, there was a whale. Hold on. Wait, why, why was this guy obsessed with a whale? Wait, who's going on? Who's Ahab? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not following. I found, I feel like, I, I feel like, uh, how old were you? You got married? How old was I? I'm 47. So is it 10 years or 37? So you got married pretty young still. 38. 38. Started having kids right away. Uh, I had a kid five years ago or four years ago. So what am I? 43. Yeah, no, this is late. And compared to my friends back home. Oh, yeah. I mean, they got mid-teens. So I got a four-year-old and an almost two-year-old. So I'm like, really? I mean, look at you. You you are like my friends. You have two kids. One's going to go to college in a year. Yeah. Uh, that's basically my buddies back home. So I'm I'm uh, I'm late to the game. It's it's interesting watching you do it though because you're doing it at the right time. Like we did it broke, and it was that's tough. It was uh, I I I I mean I wouldn't want to do it ever any other way, but I would have liked to. It, there was a lot of insecurities I had when we'd go to like because we always put the money in the right place. So we put the girls in good schools, and then you'd be around parents that had money and. I remember one time uh, we were going to school with, um, it was a lot of famous people at this school. And Billy Crudup was uh, one of the dads. Coolest guy in the fucking world, by the way, for the record. Coolest guy in the fucking world. And uh, one of the parents took pictures of him. I guess he was dating someone who wasn't, he was having an affair or something. And like no one knew about it, but we knew about it at the school. But like he was married to the lady that did weeds. But they, he was hooking up with someone else. I don't know. I wasn't mm-hmm. really following. And I'm not great with celebrity. I kind of only knew who Billy Crudup was because he was in that Steve Prefontaine movie. And uh, so one of the parents took pictures of him and sold it to TMZ. Oh, jeez. And they thought it was me because I was broke. <laughs> They're like, well, it had to be Bert. He had a camera. I go, I had a camera because I have a child here. Someone like said something to me. And then, I mean, like, it was like, it was a, I mean, so many famous people at that school, like uh, Billy Crudup, it's his wife. The I don't know her name, but she's like a famous person. Um, uh, Fred Savage. I got in trouble because I said, made a joke about Fred Savage. Because it's fucking Fred Savage. Like I understand he's a dad at our school, but also you grew, we grew up with that guy, yeah. right? And he was on the ground playing with the kids, and and he was like, he's really is a good dad. He's like a legit good dad. It's not part of the joke, but this is a good dad. He's a good dad. And uh, all the moms were fawning over him. He wasn't doing anything special, by the way. He was just playing with his kid. Yeah. And all the moms were fawning over him because it's Fred Savage. That's why they were doing it. Like, they didn't do it to me. I I played with my kids, and they Mm -hmm. weren't like, that guy's great. But they're like, he is such a great dad. Like, he is really an exceptional dad. Like, And I'm sitting there going like, all right, whatever. And then I just go pretty crazy considering who his dad is and they're like what i like like his dad you know his his dad and i'm like no i go randy the macho man savage and they're like that's his dad and i go yeah he's a showbiz kid you knew he's a showbiz kid right they're like i did know that oh my god and i was like yeah the beautiful elizabeth is his mom and randy the macho man (laughs) savage and then it like everyone started saying that at school and then someone pulled me aside and they're like hey man you can't like talk shit about parents and i was like i was like it's a joke and they're like, yeah, but I would have loved to. I like, I saw what you guys did yesterday for Easter. And it's so nice, like to be able to like, it, it just seems like you're doing it right. I know that sounds crazy, but like I heard Adam Carolla one time say, and by the way, paraphrasing, if Adam didn't say this, then I'm crazy. But he said, it's borderline child abuse 
if you live with more than one child in an apartment. And <laughs> I had two in an apartment at that time. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, you know, there's a silver lining there because when you have kids and you're struggling, the kids know the struggle. You know, they, they don't know all this. They didn't grow up what you have going on here and, uh, you know, the beautiful home and, you know, there's, there's no struggle, but, but they've been there with you through the struggle. So you didn't really have to like, like I'm creating struggle now. Uh, you know, I have to, interesting. I have to, uh, I got my kid doing chores for, and she's almost four. So make the bed. Uh, we went around the house and looked at what lights need to be replaced. So she would point out the lights and I would write, okay, in the kitchen, we need a light. Just to, and then at, the, at Sunday, I give her $2. Say, good job. And then maybe the next Sunday, I give her a dollar because you missed making your bed. I'm trying to like instill it because I grew up. Yeah, that's crazy because you didn't grow up like you live now. No. And that's a struggle for me because- I just like, I thought I had a really nice childhood. I, you know, middle-class upbringing, Northwest suburbs of Chicago. We went uh, on one vacation a year. Uh, you know, we talked around the table. It was just nice. And like in my head, I want to like give that to my kids, but which we are trying to do. But like yesterday, what ref- Bert's referring to is, and, and Alana grew up. On, yeah. on the on the uh, wealthy side of of uh, life, so you know, for her, this, this is you know, getting a, a petting zoo at the house. You know, we had a couple rabbits and some lamb yesterday yeah. at the house, right? Which I know is ridiculous in my head. Uh, no, it's actually not, <laughs> and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Because it's not that expensive. It really isn't that expensive. No, it's not. We've we've done. Uh, they that was a big thing when when you got kids is to bring over like they'll bring over animals and we've we did it for whatever reason isla always wanted snakes and lizards and so ours was always snakes and lizards but it's not crazy but um i definitely did it when i had like i didn't do it when they were young 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 we were we were broke but when you have enough money that where you can afford mortgage or something like that it's not that much of an it's not that much of a splurge and i saw it and i went oh that's fucking of course you're an adult you would want to do that yeah, it was great. The kids went in, they petted, they learned they, they learned about the animals, what's this, what's that. And it was it was nice for them. But again, it's a really big contrast from my Easter mornings yeah. growing up. And by the way, when you woke up on Easter morning as a kid, did you hide plastic eggs or the eggs you painted? Uh plastic eggs were hidden and there were clues to find your basket. So each plastic egg had a note and it would say uh uh, Bert leaves all his stuff here, and then everyone would be like, "Oh, where is it? Where is it? Laundry room, laundry room." He dumps it, and then all his kids oh. would run over, and then it would be like, uh, uh, "Arfer will never see a duck here," and you're like, "What?" Like, so it would be clues about our family, mm. and then you'd go around, and then you'd ultimately find your Easter basket. That oh, was how we did it. That's a good idea. I, I think I was in the minority because we hid the eggs that we painted. There was no plastic eggs. Growing so up. you had cooked eggs. <laughs> yeah, cooked eggs around the house. And each cooked egg that you found had a clue to where the next egg was. Oh, we already got the basket. Basket was delivered in the room. Okay. Then we went to go How find many kids? Eggs. How many kids? Just me and my sister. Okay. So um 
Yeah, it would be like we'd open the stove. Like the eggs were in the stove. I mean, we're like <laughs> four and five opening up a, a stove, and then you would see the egg, and you're like, the next egg, similar to you, like the next egg is somewhere even hotter than the stove. So we like ran to the fireplace, and yeah, we were like in there. So, but now we do plastic eggs with candy. It's just in the yard. That's what we do now. Yeah, they're yeah. not in the house. It's it's outside, and they're not even hidden. They're like it's very easy to find. <laughs> yeah, I remember looking for eggs it was like a two hour experience growing up. Where's the last one? You know, it Ooh. was difficult to find them. Now they're out in the open. It was so much fun. I'm not even lying. I my last Easter egg. Ba- First of all, my last Easter egg basket was my senior year in high school. Like I got Easter egg baskets up until oh, senior oh, year yeah. in high school. But our last. I still kind of believe in the Easter Bunny. I was a freshman in high school. I mean, we were like, I, it was so much fun. My si- little sister, Cotty, was probably uh, four at the time. She's 10 years younger than me. And so it was like, it, it was fuck. I had so much fun doing that shit. I didn't grow up with money. I mean, there was money in my family. Like, I had an uncle that had money. But my dad, um, he got... He was uh, was a lawyer, and then he got this big client. The Church of Scientology was a big client, and they put him on retainer. So all of a sudden, he had money, right? So he built this brand-new house and built the house, and we're all ready to move into it, and they dropped him as their lawyer, and we oh, had God. no money. We didn't couldn't furnish the house. We had, like, one room was furnished. We had our bedrooms were furnished, and one room was furnished, and that was it. And then like things would show up. Like I remember getting a kitchen table and being like, all right, we got a kitchen table. But I mean, all through high school, there were three rooms in the house that had no furniture in them. And you just didn't, you just, those are the rooms you played in. Yeah. But so I, but I feel like I grew up with privilege, you know, like I got a car, but I can get the car I wanted, but I got a car. Right. But any car, I was like, any car was a, was a great, but then I had friends who got everything. And now my struggle has been, because my friends that got everything kind of have fucked up a little bit. And I've watched them fucked up. And I've, I remember things like, I remember they got like awesome cars. Like one guy got a Jeep, but he didn't like the rims that were on it. And I went, <laughs> I didn't know you could change out rims. I, I really didn't. I'm 16 years old going, you can get different rims. And so my goal is to make sure my daughters, I, not that they find struggle, that they don't turn into those kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so wait, go back to what your childhood was like. Like, I, I want to, like, because that is fascinating to me because I'm going through some struggles right now where I go, like, we go to plant trees around the wall, and I go, I'll do it. And Leanne's like, why would you do it? And I go, because I, I should do it. Like, I, that's what my dad did growing up. My dad did all the stuff around the yard. I should do that. And she goes, yeah, but it would make us more money if you just did a podcast, and then we can pay for someone to do the trees. And then you're like, well... I, it's almost like a, I feel like I'm a little lost in the in being a man because I don't really I look at guys putting stuff together and I go I go I couldn't do any of that like I really couldn't yeah yeah well uh growing up my father was the landscaper the maintenance man you know there was no he didn't call anybody and if he called somebody to do it because he didn't know how he'd sit there and watch them do it so he wouldn't have to call him next time. Yeah. So that's like, and we're talking about you and I now, 
you know, when, when's the last time you you fixed the dishwasher? Uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, I thought you were going to say fix the dish. And I was like, actually, I super glued one together. And Leanne goes, hey, we can't do that. That's not how that works. I super glued a bowl back together. And she goes, no, 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 no. There's no fixing bowls. Because I really like these bowls. Fix the fucking dishwasher. I couldn't tell you where to start. Yeah. So, I mean, things like that that happened in our house growing up. My father took the initiative and, and went with it and fixed it himself. Because, A, there's a sense of pride fixing stuff like that and b you're saving yourself a lot of money without you know calling a plumber electrician and whatnot i'm not talking to like hook you know hooking up lights throughout the house i'm talking yeah. about little minor things that need your attention uh now all of a sudden you're on the phone and go you know that that you know this needs to be done. then there's a gardener and you know i i don't you know cut my grass although i cut my grass I had a business cutting grass at 11 years old. I was allergic to grass and ragweed. <laughs> and my father said, put a mask on and get out there and cut lawns. I had four lawns that, really? I, that, I, that I had in the neighborhood. So I liked that sense of like learning how to earn yeah. responsibility. And I'm trying to pass that on to my kids when their life is going to be a little bit easier financially but I still want to, you know, you know, raise them in a, not to be the kids you're talking about, you know, like the, it, it just bums me out when you see those kids that yeah. have not had much struggle. And then when struggle shows up, they just, it's like they drop all their weapons and they're like, I, I give up. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm definitely not ever trying to say that I'm like, uh, I haven't been lucky as shit throughout life. You know, dad paid for college. I didn't have to go take a loan out. Dude, that's the fuck look college loans it's like almost going like hey you want to start life we're going to just put you back 10 spaces so you're not going to start life even when you think you've started life you're still back 10 spaces mm -hmm. like that's i didn't have to pay for college and i was in that college for a long time didn't study at college like there was no like urgency about life i've been very lucky about a lot of things i went in for surgery last week and trust me when i say life is fragile trust me when i say i, I thought what if i leave this family are they taken care of is your family taken care of? That is exactly what this point is. This podcast is brought to you by the ladder, and it makes sense why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. Why not pay a bit each month to protect the ones you love? If you're asking yourself this question right now, choose ladder. Ladder is 100% digital. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, you just need a few minutes, a phone, or a laptop to apply. Ladder's smart algorithm works in real time, so you'll find out instantly if you're approved. If you prefer to talk to a person, their team of licensed agents don't work on, doesn't work on commission. So they're going to help you and not try to upsell you. No hidden fees, cancel at any time. Get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. And Ladder's policies are issued by insurers with long, proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A-plus by AM best finally since life insurance costs more as you age now's the time to cross it off your list trust me i started getting my life insurance when i think i was like 31 so go to ladderlife.com slash bert today to see if you are instantly approved that's l-a-d-d-e-r life.com slash bert ladderlife.com slash bert if you're feeling depressed or struggling with uncertainty or having difficulty sleeping or meeting your goals <laughs> Why are you laughing? I felt, I felt all of those this morning. <laughs> I felt all of those this morning.
I feel um, like I felt every single one of those. BetterHelp offers online professional counselors who can listen and help. I've been super honest with, I, I wouldn't even call them mental health struggles. I, it, it's so weird. There's such a stigma about therapy and I love therapy. It helps so much. And if you're going through some shit, it's, it's okay to reach out and ask for help. That's why BetterHelp is amaz- amazing. They're going to assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. And sometimes that is the perfect amount of time to ask for therapy, sit back with it for 48 hours, and then talk to a licensed professional counselor securely online. This is not a crisis line. There's a broad range of expertise available that may not be lo- available in your local area. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime, send a message to your counselor, and you get timely, thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, which is I love because you don't have to go to a fucking waiting room. I I would I went I did go to one where you had to drive early on. I don't anymore. I would never now personally because I get angry at them if I get stuck in traffic or if I have meetings and then I got to go to therapy. I start resenting my therapist. Eh, that's probably why I'm in therapy in the first place. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed, and that will be needed. I have changed counselors a number of times. More affordable than traditional offline counseling, financial aid is available. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I love BetterHelp because when I check with my counselor, it feels like I like I feel better knowing that they're always there to help me with anything. Our podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and our listeners get 10% off their first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com/bert. Visit betterhelp.com/bert and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp professional. How long were you in college? 6 and a half years. 6 and a half years? Yeah, 7 wow. almost, yeah, about just about <laughs> Yeah. Number one party animal in the country. I, I, you know, as long as I've known you, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this or told this story many a times, I didn't even know that story about you in college. How did you get voted that or how did that become? It was um, Rolling Stone wanted to do an article about the school. So this one dude called up like five different people. Just like, you know, cold calling the president of the school, Freddie Maglione, who I grew up with, um, the president of Lambda Chi, uh, Eric Pogue, who was one of my best friends, president of ATO, uh, Charlie Erdman, who was one of my best friends. Just called like five different, the head of scalp hunters. He just called like five different organizations. And I had partied with every single one of those guys the night before. Like just randomly, we had all partied the night before. And so- they all thought it was me fucking with them, being like, hey, I'm coming out of school. I want to meet like a real party guy, a guy who likes to party. Do you know? And I'm, I really was that guy. So they're like, oh, okay. Okay, Bert. And like a couple hung up on him and said, Bert. And then Eric Pogue was like, oh, Bert, Christ, your party's so hearty. Like as a joke. And this guy's like, I've heard Bert's name four or five times. I'm going to call, get Bert's number. And Eric Pogue gave him my number. And, uh, and he called me and I was in the middle of a bong hit. I was in the middle of a bong hit. Blair Mendez answered the phone. He's like, hey, it's Rolling Stone for you. And I was like, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm like a college kid, you know, like I, there's no way. And I was in the middle of a bong hit. We we're going to go play Frisbee golf. And he gave me his pitch. He's like, you know, I want to see the school. I want to meet everyone. I, 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 you know, I've told that, you know, a bunch of different people and I want to see everything about the school. Can I stay with you for a week? And I exhaled the bong hit and I was like, yep. He was like, were you just doing a bong hit? I was like, I am. I was. 
And he's like, oh, perfect. So he stayed with me for a week. And then when they went to write the article, it just didn't, uh, it didn't pan out. Like it wasn't, it was too, to write about the school didn't make sense. And uh, this guy, Jan Warner was like, what if we just make it about this kid? And so wow. then they shifted it and just made it about me. I didn't know that it was going to be, I didn't know that that was going to happen. They sent a photographer, Nitin Viducal down to shoot pictures of me. And I thought, I didn't know he was shooting pictures of me. I mean, I knew I was in the pictures, but I thought he needed someone in the pictures and no one wanted to be in the pictures. Everyone's like, I'm good. This is back when yeah. fame was not something every, everyone wanted. Like people wanted to like be private. Yeah. <laughs> It's insane to think that there was a time. And of course me, I was like, I want to be in the magazine. I was, I was like one, if I get one picture in the magazine, that would be great. And so, uh, and so I, t I told this on this uh, podcast the other day and got emotional. I won't get emotional now, but I went to, for spring break, I went to my uncle's house. My uncle's had a lot of money and, and he was like in Washington, big successful guy. My dad would kind of farm me off to him and go, Jerry, can you help Bert figure things out? And uh, so my uncle brought me up there and to figure out what I wanted to do. I, I interviewed for some jobs and then Rolling Stone was trying to get in touch with me the whole time. And I was like, that's crazy. And then my dad met me at the airport and he had like all the magazine things and they sent, or they sent me the magazine, like the pictures that were going to be in it. And I was like, my dad's like, buddy, I think you're going to be in this magazine. I think the story is about you. And then it came out April 1st and it fucking, I mean, it changed my life. Like it, it was it was this is gonna sound so silly i found out that the valley is infiltrated with um black widow spiders i found that out and i said to my wife there's two times in my life there's before i knew about black widow spiders and everything else like i was joy and i was happy and then there's now that i know that black widow spiders are on everything you sit on and and it was like it was like i don't know what i'm gonna do and then all of a sudden it was like a shift that article came out and i was like uh one of my best friend's dads called me and he was like you're never gonna get an opportunity like this you need to take every full advantage of it if you've ever wanted to do anything in the entertainment business now's the time if you want to do stand-up do it and then you know oliver stone's company option the rights to my life and i'm in i'm in college no money mind you but just the option and you're taking phone calls and like pitching where stories you? where are you in a uh, freshman sophomore what? i'm a senior oh you're i'm a, senior. I'm a, I'm a um, this is my sixth and a half. I'm like getting ready to graduate. Oh, this is the end. This is the end. So I did stand up once and then moved to New York. And, uh, and like six months later, Will Smith discovered me. And then all of a sudden I was off to the races. I was like, and then, you know, the, the movie with Oliver Stone kind of falls apart because Will Smith's now, we, we were doing the exact same. Technically, now we look back at it, the exact same uh, sitcom as they were going to do as a movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I tried to distance myself from it. Like I always looked at like guys like you as um, in awe. Cause I couldn't imagine the bravery it took to say, I want to do this without an article and Oliver Stone and, and all this like heat going into the business. Like it, it, it didn't take a lot of balls for me to try to stand up for the first time. I mean, I went and I sold out a club the first time my open mic, my first open mic wow. sold out pop bellies. And then, and it was like, and everyone knew me and I've been there for so long. It was like, if, not of course I was going to kill, but like I could have done, I didn't have to do that great to do good. And, um, and then I look at like Ari, like I, and, and this Ari is a perfect example, but you're here 
So it's, it's, but like the balls it took for someone like Ari to go like, I'm funny when he has never and lived in a world where like with in Orthodox Judaism, it's, you know, it's like, don't stand out. Don't get, don't be just shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then for Ari to go like, I, it always blew me away that Ari ever thought he should be a stand up. Or like you, like when you, I remember you telling the story about like, you got some headshots in Chicago and and you came to, and, but the idea that no one would tell you, Hey, uh, you're, this is what you got. Like no one, like Rolling Stone told me, this is what you got to do that. You just went, I could do this. Yeah, there, there wasn't, there, you know, everybody gets into the business in their own way. Um, you know, it's it's great that you had that huge platform to kind of bust onto the scene. Um, but yeah, I mean, for for me, it was more like, uh, all right, I, I like telling stories. I like being funny around my family. Every time I get in front of the class, I tend to make people laugh, but I'm not the class clown. You know, I, I just always love stand-up comedy. And then uh, I did these headshots uh back in chicago and uh i set them out before i got out here and um and yeah that was no one called back i had no no nothing i came out here not knowing anybody i didn't sleep on anybody's couch i had about 10 grand saved up from working at uh this place called the living room in schomburg doing fine dining and i didn't want to do like hey hey man can i, can I lay on your couch for this way never that guy I never wanted to be that guy. I was definitely that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian, I used to get I used to get a bag of weed. And when I lived in New York, I get a bag of weed. And then I'd I'd tell guys that I I could like I could read. I would have been a great salesman. I could find guys that were my kind of guys and be like, hey, you guys want to get high? And they're like, fuck yeah. I was like, well, clubs are closing, right? Let's go. You want to go to well, my my roommate's an asshole. I never roommate. I never roommate. I had a guy whose floor I was staying on who didn't speak English, but I I didn't have a place to stay, really. Like once he went to bed, the door was locked. If I didn't make it in by then, and I was like, "All right, well, I just got to find." And I go to their house. I go, "Let's go to your house." My roommate's an asshole. I'd have the weed. We'd all smoke, and I'd pass out on their couch. And I'd just be like, "Oh, I guess I'm sleeping here tonight." And they'd be like, "Buddy, you gotta go, buddy. Fuck it, let him sleep." I did that twice. The second time I did it, I woke up in the morning, and a guy I grew up with is in the living room. John Beamer. He goes, "The fuck are you doing here?" I go, "John." He was like, "What the fuck?" And I swear to God. And I was like, "Hey." I don't have a place to stay. He's like, stay on my couch. And then I ended up renting his room. He moved back to Tampa. Um, but wait, so you save money, you come out, you get an apartment. Yeah, see, totally different, man. I mean, you're that guy. You're that guy that just, stay hey, life at a party, this and that. And hey, sleeping out, sleeping <laughs> Me, I was like, yeah, I need my own space. I don't want to uh, impose on anybody. So I came out here, got a place up on uh, Hollywood Boulevard and Fuller, right by the um, Fuller, by the uh, Runyon Canyon. Oh, I think that's where everybody moves when they come out here in 98. So wait, wait, what? what uh, so you moved up there? Tell yeah. me about that apartment. Like, what did you, well, like, were you living by yourself? Moved in by myself. And uh, first morning I get up, I face a building and I look out the window and there's a guy fucking his couch looking looking at me and i'm like this is this is hollywood so i shut the blinds i would open them he'd be staring in so i had to go down and i go i need another apartment 
<laughs> Sorry, you signed the lease. So I, I had to sit there for six months in the dark because every time I opened up the, the drape, this guy was like a peeping Tom. <laughs> Uh, and then I moved to the other side of the building and, um, yeah, I was there for like two years and then I moved into working at four seasons, worked at four seasons hotel, waiting tables. And that's another thing. Make friends there. Were you making friends? Yeah. I was making friends, uh, like work friends. Like we would go out for a drink after work. Um, and then, you know, trying to do stand up in between the working and I always grew up with like. I, I just needed some cash in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good at like uh, starving. You know, I, I need to make money. Uh, so much so where I took another job working, selling satellite dishes in the ghetto on uh, Martin Luther King and Baldwin Hills. Um, I know that, I know exactly what that, that is. Yeah. yeah. I had a kiosk, a dish, a dish network. I was selling uh, satellite dishes in a kiosk on the second floor of that mall, uh, really, people just walking by. So I was struggling. I I I, I want. I didn't want to wait tables anymore because I was getting sick of people. And then like the like the, the four seasons are like the highest of high standard wise. And you know you're not working at Mel's Diner where you could just tell someone you know fuck off and eat the BLT. This was like excuse me the. The, the wine glass is not, um, do you have a thicker one? I, a thicker wine, you know, like it'd be those type of requests. And I, I got to get out of here. I start doing satellite dishes and then I went $10,000 in debt. And then I had to tell my parents that I needed money, which was awful. I had to like, uh, it, it, my mother knew something was wrong with me. Yeah. She, she said, what's wrong? And then I broke down. I go, ma, I gotta tell you, I'm 10 grand in debt. And, uh, you know what I was doing? I was, can't, you know, you ever get those American Express or Visa checks in the mail where like it says thousand dollars and then you cash oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I was doing to survive because if I didn't, I just, I, I had too much pride to, to call home and say I needed money. Yeah. But, but it got to a point where I was like, I got, I got to, I got to call home. And uh, it came out and my dad's like, I give you the 10 grand but you got to pay me back. Now this guy kept, I mean, the accounting this guy kept <laughs> on what I owed him. Yeah. Cause I would float him like, here's a hundred dad, or here's, you know, a thousand and here's a 1100, whatever. He had a ledger that he kept of, of the money I sent and what I owed him. You know, like my mother was like, just give him the money. Yeah. <laughs> but my dad's like, no, he's paying me back. And I paid him back every cent. And I'm glad he did that because it got me back to the four seasons, got me working again. And like, Hey, this is what I got to do to survive. And, uh, and that was that, but yeah, I mean, there's been struggles along the way, but the struggles have definitely helped me, uh, with my career. Do you think that I remember, uh, I remember, having a job and wanting to wanting to be uh wanting to be the those like being at a place and wanting to be the people that were at that place like like working at the four seasons you want to be the person eating at the four seasons yeah that's actually your entire goal is to end up to be able to go to the four seasons neat because a lot of the people that go there are hollywood types yeah and then you see the behavior they exhibit and you go i don't know if i'm in the right race <laughs> Cause I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the person that calls a chef out and goes, you're better than this. Like what the <laughs> fuck? Like I, I can't. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I mean, the whole goal is to be on the other side of the table, you know? And, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's something to strive for. But, you know, listen, you're not going to be that guy. You're not going to be, you know, like we talked about the kids. The kids ain't going to be those kids because you're not those. You're not that person. I'm not that person. So, you know, with the with success, I think you definitely, you are who you are, no matter, you know, what type of success you have. What was the, what was it like when you, like, I'm curious to know, like, you seem like someone who's very organized. So, like, when you'd get an apartment, would you, like, would you, like, what kind of pictures did you put up? Oh, God, if you talk to my wife, she'd be, you know, she, when she first came over to my, my apartment, minimal. Really? Yeah. There's none, there's none of this. I mean, there's, there's none of like the walls <laughs> covered with, with photos. Yeah. The, which is cool. But for me, it was, <laughs> I ain't done. I discovered like the next shepherd fairy, right? I went to a, a mall and this guy was doing, um paintings of like a martini glass with like fun olives coming out of it like the olives were like people and they were splashing into the martini yeah i think his name was godard and i thought this guy is unbelievable so i had like and your like, wife's an artist <laughs> <laughs> so my wife would come over she's like what is that i go it's a godard it's a godard <laughs> you know i bought a Thirty nine fifty at the mall. <laughs> um, so I had a couple of these all over the. Uh, but not, yeah, you're right. It was this very clean, very minimal, no clutter. Um, everything's. Would, wouldn't it be great? How much would you? How much did you pay for uh, your first month of dating? If you could get the if they if you didn't know this, but they had a nest cam in there where you could watch. You and your wife courting, like come bring it back to your house. Hey, I'm going to make you something to eat. You know, like I would like you look in, at technology now and you go, you know, you're very lucky in that you're going to have so many pictures of your kids. I had to have get a camera to mm -hmm. take pictures of my kids. Yeah. And uh, and then I became obsessed with the camera. I learned about cameras. I got into cameras, film cameras. But like you look back and I it, not until they were like probably a little older did we start getting like you can go on the phone and just go. Oh shit! I can see all their history. But I would love to be able to go back and see, like, a Nest Cam in my New York apartment. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, go back and just scroll and go. Oh shit! It's the night Mike Epps came over. Oh fuck! That was a crazy night. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had a camera when we were doing home run derby to see uh, what uh, what uh, video of that would have been like. I mean, we, uh, we who was who was doing that with us? Because I don't remember. Uh, only people I remember from that because I didn't know you guys yet. No, I I met I remembered you, uh, Brett, Renazizi, and and I mean I knew Steve, but that's really it. And like I hear people that were there, and I'm like I don't think I ever knew that person. Like who who else? Like was there? I don't know. I think Mike I think Young, like, Mike Young was there. Mike Young was there. I was Ari ever there? Shafir? Yeah. No. Right. That was not our Ernst. Uh, was Ernst there? Yeah, Ernst was there. Ernst was there. He, that Brett Ernst is the is a really interesting human being. I, I've had two moments now where people have, have talked. I'm about to talk really nicely about him, but like he'll never see this. He's not the kind of guy that's all over the internet looking for fucking videos on himself. He is so funny to me when he's not trying to be funny. That and he's funny when he's trying to be funny. 
but to the point where I am crying laughing when he's, he has made me cry laughing when he, and he doesn't know why I'm laughing. He's literally like, what? Yeah. Yeah. He's got the ability. And I don't even, I don't even think he, you might be laughing at stuff that he's probably not even trying to make you laugh. But at. you're the same way. I remember, I remember meeting you and you were gearing up to play softball. And I thought, I thought you were doing a joke. And cause I was like, you were like putting on your socks matched and your shoes matched and you had like a wristband. And I thought you were doing a bit. And I said to Steve, I pulled over. I go, who the fuck is that? And he goes, oh, Sebastian, he's the fucking best. I go, dude, I'm dying watching him get dressed. And he goes, oh, no, 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 that's Sebastian. And I went, what? He goes, he's not trying to be funny. And I said, it was just me and you sitting there at one point, And I'm I'm just giggling to myself. I go, what? And he goes, he's a, he's fucking hilarious. He's hilarious on stage. I go, he's like, he goes, he's like Ernst. Like Ernst was taking swings at the ball and he go fucking gun. And you're like, what? Get some. Like just as he, and he wasn't trying to be funny. That's how he swings a bat. <laughs> well, you came in and you were like launching him over to the, the, the and I go, is this guy professional, <laughs> professional baseball player? <laughs> I would love, I would love that video of that now just to see that. No, I, cause I played, I played baseball growing up and I got recruited to go to college to play baseball and uh and then just decided to party but that was the funnest i had the, the, those times to me when no one was working and everybody was just kind of oh. just hanging out and we could do that on a tuesday and literally you called everybody everybody was available yeah you know yeah no i'll be there in 10 minutes um but now the business has got this whole thing the podcasting for you what does it what is it for you? I mean, is this something that gives you another outlet for entertainment and storytelling or like, I, I mean, cause, cause there's a group of guys that looks like they kind of started out with the whole podcasting together Yeah, and you, you're in that group. Uh, what is it for you? What, what, what do you get out of it? I think for number one, it's a lot of it is, um, it's not there yet. Like it's, it's interesting. I'm in a transition. The zooms have not been entirely fulfilling in, except for a handful of them where I was like, that was fucking a great conversation with someone I'd like to talk to for the most part for me it's when life gets back to normal, it is an opportunity to hang out with people. I don't get to hang out with like you like, and sit and just talk like, and, and hang out. Um, two bears, one cave is, and Bill Burt are different in that. I mean, I love, I love those two guys. And so to watch, I like watching both of them think. And so for me, it's kind of like, I just get to hang out with guys I think are funnier than me and then just giggle. Um, but I, I think, you know, the podcast gave me an opportunity to not have to do television. And that was a, a, the biggest like opportunity. And then I started caring about it. And then I was like, I think this podcast is going to transition a little bit into more of things I'm curious about and comics but like I, i'm i've been so focused on just talking to comics because they're just easier to talk to than other people other people you bring in you got to interview them and i'm not the best interviewer but like i can hang out and talk there's a lot of things that i know about you or i'm curious about you that i wouldn't know about a stranger yeah, yeah. like just certain ways of watching you behave where i go well, i want to know about like this but i i love it i really genuinely love it like this one is great i had whitney in the other day we did a four hour and 45 minute podcast and i i, I didn't we didn't no one wanted to stop um 
And also, I think the stability during the pandemic of being able to have a job that can pay the bills was super valuable. I mean, me and Bill doubled ours up, me and Tom doubled ours up, and then we doubled this one up because I think people were looking for content. Yeah, yeah. It's a way to connect with your fans. I'm not good at social media. Like, I'm good at, like, Instagram. I can, I can put up some good stories. I'm very vulnerable. I put a lot out there. I think that works on Instagram. Um, but for the most part, I think this is an extension of social media is I'm a better at talking things out. Like, if I had a joke, the joke I told you about the earthquake, like, if I tweeted that, I get so much hate online. Yeah, yeah. I don't even want to deal with it. But if I tell it on the podcast, then people go, uh, oh, that's, that's it's better when you say it for yeah. me. I'm not a good writing comedian it's better in context you know not just like one off on the th- i don't even know why people are every time I, I see people getting in trouble they the tweet got why why are people tweeting what does it give you to to say that just what happened to and again going back to how i grew up it was you said it in the house and that was it yeah and even my father said don't say anything to anybody about, you know, political views, how you feel on this, how you feel on that. It's just, it's private. It's private. That, that, that I just said that to someone the other day. We were talking about um, Mina, Mina Harris, uh, Kamala Harris's niece. Oh, yeah. And she was tweeting something. She was tweeting something that, by the way, I, I don't, I didn't think was too horrible. I won't bring it up because I don't want her to have to fucking deal with more shit. <laughs> But like, because yeah, I, yeah. I actually, I like her. I, I like, I really am obsessed with Kamala Harris's family. Like fucking ballers, ballers. I don't, I don't and by know. the way, I don't even like saying that because everyone goes, oh, so then you're a Democrat? And you're like, oh, God damn it. I can like everybody, you know? Yeah, yeah. But um, but you don't have to tweet everything. Yeah. You don't, not everything. No, First of all, no one really cares about my opinion about a lot of things. You know, I, I saw, I was just talking to Whitney about this, but like Joe Coy talked, you know, tweeted out, the Asian lady that got beat up by the black dude in front of like a fries or whatever it looks like. And, uh, and I, I wanted to retweet it. And then I thought, I I don't, I don't want to deal with the headache of people going, well, then what about that time you made a joke for it? And you're like, I, I, if something's super, super important to me, you know, like someone or my friend get hurt, gets hurt and they have a GoFundMe. I'm going to, I care about it. But like, I try to keep my opinions in my pocket and I wasn't always that guy. And then, and then you don't even know what you put out sometimes. Sometimes you put shit out and then everyone's like, oh, so you're just uh, wasted and your daughters are lighting chairs on fire. And you're like, oh, I guess that's what it looks like. <laughs> Delete that. <laughs> but yeah, it, there's, I think, and also I, I think what is crazy, and I, this, I was thinking of this today. I think everyone's super hypersensitive because we're not getting to work out material you know, like on stage as much as we normally do. So when you tweet, when I watch people tweet stuff out, that is, you're like untesting, just throwing a fucking, just lobbing a fucking Molotov cocktail out there going, I hope there aren't trees around <laughs> and there's trees <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, yeah. People want to get offended. I, I, I don't never, I'm not, I don't get offended easily. Like when you did the MTV Music Awards, I loved it. Even stuff where like, I don't even, th- I don't think you said anything that, in my opinion, that was at all anything where I'd clutch my phone, like, you know, like pearls clutching, like, oh, but if you take a big chance, I love that shit. I love that shit. I, when someone takes a big swing, I don't, I can't believe there are people that go, what? Like, I'm the guy that goes, shut the fuck up. Like Charlie Hebdo. Do you see what Charlie Hebdo 
They yeah. fucking cover their magazine. I can't remember what it is. So don't remember, don't hold me to this. But when Charlie Hebdo takes big fucking swings, they're the fucking French magazine that satirized Buddha or yeah. uh, Allah. Yeah, yeah. And then they shot up the place. And Charlie Hebdo still takes big swings. I just go, shut the fuck up. I was never the guy that in class that got outraged. I'd be like, shit, he's just called the teacher a bitch. Oh, fuck. This is going to be good. Like, who the <laughs> fuck care? Like, gets that upset? I just don't. Yeah. No, I don't either. I, like I, you tweeted out the cancel culture thing the other day on Instagram and I retweeted it and I loved it. I loved it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's all done in the, it, for humor. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not done to like, Oh, I'm going to change the world. This and that we're comedians. We're just trying to make people laugh. And uh, sometimes I guess people, people think that it's more serious than it is. It's just basically trying to put a smile on somebody's face, but I don't know. I don't know where we're going now. Now that stand up is going to be coming back after all this pandemic and everything that happened during the pandemic. I'm very curious to see where people are with some topics that uh, could be brought up in, in, in comedy. It's interesting. I think that we're about to run into a real mental health. We're about to see the effects of the mental health issues that were happening. So like everyone being in their house for a year is wasn't good for you, but we didn't get to see that except we saw it online. Now we're going to see it in person and you're going to see a lot of people losing their shit in public because I, I do, I, I have a hard time around people. Like I, I just do I, like right now we go to the fucking, we went to the store uh, went to Rite Aid. I got to go back to Rite Aid by the way. And it was packed and Pete, no one was, it was like people were in line. Like we were placing bets on horses. Like they were just in line, like regular in line. And I'm like, and I had to get out of line. I had to get out of line. And like, I just stood outside and I was like, why am I, I'm just going to be outside where there's fresh air. I don't need to be breathing down someone's neck. I, I panic and I'm okay. Like I'm a normal person. I can't imagine what's going to happen. It's going to be fucking an Eagles game, fucking <laughs> fist fights left and right. Eagles game. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where where I'm 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 very interested to get back out there and I know you were doing it the, throughout the whole pandemic you were doing stand up. Yeah, I ju I just I don't have like a I'm 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 like you go about money. I'm like that way with work where I go I don't ever I don't even pay attention to what money what price tags are on jobs. I like to work. I love to work. Like yeah, yeah. I'm the thing I'm excited about for this movie is like for having a family. Like everyone's like a family. Like I love when the, when they go cut, I go, what are we doing next? Do you guys want to go to dinner? Like I'm that guy. <laughs> Do you guys want to go to a room and tell each other secrets over a bottle of wine? Ooh, who wants to talk shit? I want to, I want to talk shit. I love that part. Do you, do you get, um, do you get affected? Like when, you know, when the MTV music awards and you, and you see like, uh, someone's going, uh, uh, children are outraged or whatever, whoever got outraged. Yeah. Does that affect you? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, oh, what, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, but I don't respond. I don't like getting a, like, uh, I'm not the guy to to stir the flame. Yeah, and I think if you do, then you're opening that whole thing up to more of a bigger thing than it really needs to be. Um, but yeah, I just kind of stay away from that whole thing. My my sole responsibility right now, and I can't really get bothered by, you know, Twitter, Instagram or what have you. I just, you know, I, I want to 
I want to provide for my family. I want to hang out with my kids and, you know, make people laugh. I mean, I, I'm not so, looking for any other, <laughs> I'm not looking to get involved, man. That's it. I was, they were doing, they did this, uh, this article and someone tweeted it. I, by the way, I don't even, I'm not even looking at Twitter anymore. I'm not even on it. I took it all off. I, 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 I will tweet, um, I will tweet stuff like, uh, I like Diet Cokes. And then every, and then it gets like a thousand. Re I love Diet Cokes. <laughs> I like pizza. And everyone's like, I think I know where this is going, fat guy. And I'll, I don't mind getting jokes about it, but I don't, there's nothing, there's nothing I need to say to the world that I don't want to say on a microphone. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, oh, what was I just about to say? I, fuck, tweeting. Oh, I, obviously in the way i've lived my life whether i've said some regrettable things and sometimes you'll be laying in bed and you'll be like oh, i said that one time jesus christ <laughs> like you just out of nowhere you're like Gah. and everything is an attempt to make someone laugh always so it's yeah. never like i've never stated like a horrible statement like this is how i feel about homosexuals i've never done that but i've made a some we were talking to someone and someone's like have you ever said the r word and i went are you is that redskin or retard and they were like <laughs> <laughs> never mind <laughs> I go, i'm just asking i don't like I, i've said them all i've said them all just for the record and then i'm sitting in my pool yesterday and i go and I'm, I'm i woke up with like this panic of all the things i've said in my past and jokes that i've made jokes that are on specials specials that i've made and i'm laying i'm sitting there and i was like wait whatever happened to like oh i didn't hurt anybody i didn't assault a child like i'm like, I'm a really good person. I don't cheat on my wife. I don't hit my kids. I don't drink and drive. I try to make people laugh. I stay in my lane. I make fucking inappropriate jokes sometimes. But like, whatever happened to that? And I was like, I was like, I think the world still signs up for that. Like, I think the world's still like, oh yeah, regular people, like your friends at home probably were like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. They don't know. Yeah. They don't know. I mean, I, I'm amazed that you're, you're in bed at night and all that's going through your head. Do you, oh. do you uh, four in the morning panic attacks kick in and i think it's because the booze is going through my system and the sugar wakes me up and i go and i'll just sit there and be like what did i say about Meghan markle or like because i don't I've, when you do and this is the beauty of you, you you the way you've done your career i'm doing three podcasts a week and so i do so roughly i'm talking for about six hours <laughs> six hours i don't know how one can talk that much by the way i don't think i'm out of interesting stuff to say <laughs> i'm dead serious too many times i'm like i go and then all of a sudden like you get a hot take i was saying this to someone the other day i go ugh i like i regret it immediately as soon as i said it i regretted it but I was talking about we were talking about someone like someone's wife tried to like they were getting it turns into to reese witherspoon i love reese witherspoon i love reese witherspoon but we end up bringing her up me and tom and i just go like have you, i go you ever see her dui video and tom's like what by the way it's, that's not even what it is so like i'm not even representing myself fairly there yeah and it's just her boyfriend gets it her husband gets a dui and then she gets in the cop's face and it's just something she would never want brought up again but i just and then i'm like 
I'm going, Tom goes, what do you do in that situation? That's when I look at it. And I said, that's when I look at the cop and I go, taser, bro. You got taser, render her unconscious. She does not want to be speaking right now. Trust me. She will be happier that she got tased than if this video of her talking gets out. And I'm advocating tasing Reese Witherspoon. And I'm, and then I get in my car and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> like, do I feel that way? Like, and so when I hear someone talk shit about me, like on Rogan or someone, I go, I give them a hundred percent pass. I go, I deserve it. I definitely deserve it. If someone talks shit about me, I go, sometimes if it's good, I'll laugh and I'll be like, mm, you nailed it. You don't know the half of it, brother. Well, you, you seem like you, your filter is kicks in late. Yeah. Like you don't have it in the moment you go in your car, or you sit in your bed and you're going, the hell did I say that? So, uh, yeah, you just gotta, if you, if you don't want those like sweat, sweaty nights at four o'clock in the morning, soaking wet last night, <laughs> soaking fucking wet. I mean, literally my pillow is so wet that if I go home now, I bet it's still wet. <laughs> yeah. You just have to, you just, I don't know. I, I, I tend to like, I'm, I'm thinking 15, 20 minutes ahead of where I'm going. Yeah, but you're, you're funny. Is, you have a different muscle of funny than I have. You can take something that we've all seen a million times and make it funny. I've said this uh, over and over. I remember we were both renovating our houses at the same time, and I was watching a lot of things happen, and I was trying to write jokes about it, and you talked about the one thing that I'd seen happen that was driving me nuts, but I never saw the humor in it. And it was the guy is that you're paying the crew and all they're doing is sweeping and you go, and there's this guy with a broom and he's sweet. I mean, you're like, Hey buddy, I paid. Oh, and, I, but the way you did it, I'm sitting there dying going, the fucking guy has been sweeping. And then all my things are like, they all have some sort of Mexican overture or like homosexual over. Like there's <laughs> my angles were all like super right on the nose. And then we had caught a homeless person at one point. Like everything I had was like so over the top and just to, and you just were like the guy. Sweet. Do you remember that bit? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I, the, 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 the contractor, they pulled out, like they get a bit better job. They'll, they'll, they'll skip your property. Yeah. And then, and then I'm like, where are you? No, I'll send somebody over. And a guy comes over and, you know, he's just sweeping. And and he doesn't know English. Or, yeah, I, I, I did that angle where the, you know, the, oh. the a lot of a lot of the workers tend to be Spanish. I oh, we have the next. same workers. We have the same workers that did our house or doing this house. Exact same workers. Exact same workers. This was something that I was obsessed with. So the only thing that separated them from us, we lived in our renovation was a louvered door. Oh yeah. Right? We had a louvered door that that had plastic on it, but you could hear them very clearly. So one day I hear them eating lunch and I hear one of the guys, I'm not going to say his name cuz he's here. I see him all the time. And he's doing like this character and they're fucking dying. But it's just like a feminine like character like and I'm and I'm like, "What the fuck?" So I go around the house to go out the door. I come around. I want to see what the, what he's doing. Is he like doing, they are crying laughing and you can hear him like doing it. And as soon as I come around the corner, see them, they see me and they stop. And I go, no, 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 it's okay, guys. I'm a comedian. And they're like, what? I go, I'm a comedian. And they're like, okay. I go, I tell jokes. And, and they're like, okay. So you guys were laughing. And they're like, yeah. I go, what were you guys laughing at? What were you doing? 
And I realized he was doing a character of me. <laughs> and I'm like, and he's like, nothing, nothing, man. We're sorry. We're sorry. And I'm like, and then they said to me, we just don't, we don't know what you do. Like you're always like in a speedo or like in like, in like no shirt, no shoes. And you just bring men to this room to my man cave for like hours and you come out giggling. And that's what he was doing. He was doing an impression of me going, Oh, that's so fun. That was the greatest time of my life. And, and I was like, Oh, they're making fun of me. <laughs> Fuck. Same guys, same guys. I, I love them. They're fucking great guys. And they see me now and they just, this, the guy that made fun of me, I'm doing a fitting in this room. The other day, I'm doing a fitting. There are nine racks of clothing, and I'm just changing in and out of clothing. And he is digging a hole, a trench. Oh, God. And he's looking at me, getting clothes, and he's just giggling, looking at me like, the fuck do you do for a living? Yeah. And I'm like, I just, and I feel horrible. I'm like, I feel like, I feel like, I'm like, I'm like, I should be digging holes. I should be digging my own trenches. I should be out there working with them. Right. Why am I putting on a fucking Speedo? And having women take pictures of me with a feather boa on. <laughs> this Saturday is a bird dogs weekend for me. This Saturday is my last day home. I am barbecuing. I am in the backyard. I'm in the pool. My cast will be off. I My cast will be off. And I will be wearing bird dogs all day. Here's what I love about bird dogs. They're the most versatile pants you can find. They dry quickly. They've got an inseam so I can get up early in the morning. I will get on the treadmill wearing my bird dogs. I'm wearing red, white, and blue. Either that or seer sucker. Um, I haven't even checked out their new ones. I'm still rocking the ones I got from like two summers ago. I've broken them in so they feel like perfect. I'll get on the treadmill. I'll work out. I'll get in the sauna. I have a polar plunge being delivered. I will get my polar plunge with my bird dogs. And then what I'm going to do is sit by my fire pit, have an early day drink, and a cigar and they will dry off perfectly. Then I'll hit a grill and throughout the day, I'm going to jump back in the pool and go back and grill, have another drink. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate life because I'm alive and I'm here and I'm comfortable in my motherfucking bird dogs. These are great dudes. They hit me up one time and they're like, Hey man, let's shoot some bird dog footage. You want to go wakeboarding? And I was like, fuck yeah, they're cool dudes. They sent me all the shorts and they, these are my summer shorts that I wear. I got the higher cut because I like to show my legs off. But they have got a lower cut, too. The higher cut looks cooler, especially if you have fucking dope-ass legs like me. Go to birddogs.com and enter the promo code BERT, and they're going to throw in a free bird dog whistle tip football. I do not have the football, but if I had it, I'd throw it over my house to my daughters. You'd hear it coming, baby. It's exactly like those Nerf football whistle tip footballs that you had as a kid. This is the must-have beach toy of this summer. That's birddogs.com. Use the promo code BERT, and boom. Free bird dog whistle tip football with your pair of bird dogs. The bird dogs are the more important thing. Get your bird dogs. You're going to love them. You will not take these things off. I'm going to fucking promise you that. Well, you can take them off at the end of the night when your wife goes, you look so fucking hot in those bird dogs. And you're like, yeah, you want what's inside of these? And she's like, oh, and then you take them off. She's like, who let the dogs out? Who? Who? That's a little extra bird dogs. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by three chi. Holy shit, they're the industry leader in Delta 8 THC products, and they have amazing products that they sent to me. And I came home, and I enjoyed one of them. And I'm telling you, it's it's different than an, an edible. Did you know that? What do you mean? It's not, it, it's like a more functional alternative to marijuana. It's, it is a federal, federally legal, legal version of THC. And is more functionally, oh, it says that, more functionally alternative to marijuana. It gives an amazing buzz, great body feel, but with a clear head 
And for me, no anxiety and paranoia, which was perfect because I was in a cast and I ate it and I thought, oh, fuck, I'm going to start getting OCD about my cast and not being able to straighten my arm. Like you'll feel trapped. And I did not feel trapped. I had a clear head, no anxiety, no paranoia. It's available online at 3chi.com. That's the number 3chi.com. And at real retailers around the country. And remember, this is not CBD. This is psychoactive. It will give you a buzz. So please use responsibly. They ha- they gave me um, Rice Krispie treats. Yum. And I, well, I went very slow at it and it was the perfect amount. And then I felt like it wasn't. And then I started listening to music at two in the morning <laughs> in my headsets. And I listened to all of Run the Jewels, Tiny Desk performance. And I listened to it over and over oh, and over. It's so good. It's so fucking good. And even better on 3G. 3G has eight ball candies, Delta eight cookies and Delta eight crispy treats available. Candies are available in packs of five and 25 cookies are available in chocolate chip and sugar cookies. Cereal treats are available in crispy and fruity flavors. I ate fruity flavors. 3G has disposable vapes. A separate battery is no longer needed for your vape cartridge anymore. They come in ready to use right out of the box and available in 10 strains. Go to 3G, that's the number 3CHI.com and shop for Delta 8 edibles, vapes, tinctures, gummies, and oils that can be used to make your own homemade edibles. Use the code BIRD at checkout to receive 5% off your order. You've got to be 21 years old to purchase. I'm telling you, you're going to like it. I loved it. Yeah, those are the moments where you you're doing something like that and you got a man outside doing like work and I I tend to go he must be looking at me going look at this pussy. Right? I think that's so much Sebastian. <laughs> Not about you, <laughs> but about me. <laughs> we just put in my sauna and they and my my guy uh dug a hole for the electrician. And the electrician comes out and he goes, oh, the holes, the trench is the wrong way. And he goes, I'm going to have to just do like a temporary one and then we'll have him dig the trench. And by the way, it is, um, it is an eight foot trench. That's all it needs. It just needs an, an extension of eight feet. I said, why don't I dig it? And he, both of uh, uh, the, the electrician said, you can't. And I said, no, I can't. And he goes, no, take you forever. And I was like, I can dig a hole. He's like, Okay. I couldn't start the hole. I couldn't. I'm in flip-flops trying to get a a spade into the fucking thing. And I'm like, and I'm looking at this trench that Doug, and I'm like, how the fuck did he do it so good? Like, how the fuck did he get? He got deep. He's like a foot. Dude, they dug a six-foot hole one day. A six-foot hole. And I'm. this is like the simple shit. Digging a hole. We All our chickens died. I had to dig deep enough so that our dogs wouldn't dig up our chickens. I couldn't get them. They're all in shallow graves. All our chickens are in shallow graves. I didn't even know you had livestock on the property. Oh, we have chicken. We had chickens. They got killed by a fucking. By what? By a um, possum. And then possums kill chickens. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Possum killed two of our chickens. And then, and you want to talk about editing yourself and going, maybe I won't put that out there. We come home one night and our two dogs have caught the possum and are holding him hostage in our living room, just staring at him. And he is playing possum, playing like he's dead. And they're toying with his body. And I come in, I grab my camera, I start filming it. I'm like, our dogs got our fuck, got the guy, got the thing that killed the chickens. And then I shoot this whole thing. It's great. Everyone's like, that's amazing content. And then one person goes, I wouldn't put that online. I was like, why? And they're like, I don't know if PETA is going to like that video of your dogs toying with a possum. And I was like, 
uh, I don't, I don't need it. You're right. I don't give a fuck. Fuck it. The the one person that says it. One person. All you need is just one person to go. I don't know, man. You're like, good call. Good call. <laughs> Save me a fucking headache. I didn't see the angle. I didn't see the angle. Oh man, I I stuff like that is like real stuff it's not like you you know what, what's your dog caught a possum and maybe i was like cheering him on i don't know <laughs> <laughs> maybe i was like i was celebrating the fucking frontier justice that happened in my backyard while we were gone i was definitely hammered <laughs> well no you're on that instagram like we're getting like a feed on your life uh daily i have tried to pull it back Oh, you have? I have trouble, except for when I drink, it just gets out there and out there. And content I find interesting is not interesting. But then when you do, I, I feel like lately my numbers have been really high on my stories. So I go, all right, well, lean into the high numbers. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to pull it back. I'm going to be pulling it back majorly coming up. Well, this is going to be an interesting. You're going to another country to film a movie and uh, you're going to be gone for how long? Three months. Three months. So is, is your family not coming out there or you're not going to see your family for three months? No. I'm, and this is what a creep I am. I told my daughters they have to give me 100 hugs within the next week. And I was like, I'm counting them down. I told I came up with this last week. They're still at 99. <laughs> no, they're not coming out. Well, they were gonna, but I was. it's just, it's with COVID, everything's so complicated. Yeah, not worth it. And uh, yeah. And when do you have tour dates yet? Starts at the end of May, Memorial Day in Las Vegas, and then we we have 91 dates, but who knows, you know, who knows if this is going to even happen. So until then, you know, just hanging out at the house. Um, what are you guys doing tonight? Like, I'm curious, like, tonight, like, I look at your life sometimes, like, you don't share enough on Instagram. Like, I love when I see, like, I love when you guys are making dinner. Like, those are my favorite ones, because I've yeah, it's funny. I'm not a guy that just reaches for the phone and go get this. It 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 cannibalizes your ego. Like it cannibalizes your life when you start seeing th stuff. Like uh, the girls lit a chair on fire and they didn't know it. They just walked away. And I see the chair on fire. I grabbed my phone before the hose. <laughs> like I went, and then someone's like, "How did you get that shot? Why wouldn't you put it out?" And I was like, "Oh, good call." <laughs> uh yeah no tonight is uh what monday you're gonna go home uh um, what do you got what do you got the rest of the day i got uh i'm in the movie super mario brothers an animated movie so For i'm real playing um spike their boss yeah so i'm gonna do that at 12 uh i just dropped off my son before i came here to his little pod I have a COVID test at two o'clock because uh, I'm going to Mexico and they need COVID tests for that. With the family? Uh, yeah, I'm going to, um, I got a gig there, 60th birthday party. Oh, for real? Outside. Who? I bet, who's that guy? I don't even know who the guy is. Uh, he's, uh, I don't, I don't get into like who the, who the people are until I kind of get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I know I, I broad strokes and I know, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a, a cartel uh, dealer. Uh, <laughs> How great it would be <laughs> if it was El Chapo. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, today I work out at night. I'll probably work out at night and then uh, just relax a little bit. I'm, tr I'm trying to get, get caught up. I was doing the show for seven weeks. I, I didn't watch any like 
shows or we were watching uh, your honor on showtime we had to put that kibosh on that because i had a bedtime see when i get like a job like a movie or a tv thing i'm like in bed like at eight (laughs) at eight you know i put my kids to bed and then i go to bed so what and then how do you fall asleep you just close your eyes and it just oh yeah no i i i was going to bed at 8 8 30 this whole this whole string like when when you were saying hey i hope i don't have to wake up with a hangover to do a more i don't even i couldn't operate like that i i Uh, I wake up with a hangover and the day shot there's no like working through that for me (laughs) yeah dude (laughs) i wish you could have seen me this morning I came in pre-workout. I work out at seven and, uh, and I, at five, I, I, I woke up with searing heartburn, like, like, uh, like where I actually thought maybe I'll just go throw up and get it out of my body, searing heartburn, fall back asleep, wake up with a panic attack. And I go, I am, I drank too much yesterday to get through to tomorrow. So like, I go, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cancel. I said, what's important? Sebastian eddie and that's that's really and this this dentist appointment with isla the virtual zoom and so i go all right so i I go i gotta cancel working out now my brain goes don't cancel working out you know for a fact as bad as you feel if you work out hard as fuck it goes away so you just got to deal with getting up getting into the shower i like to shower on those i like to shower before i work out on those days shower get up shower make a cup of coffee and get over there. Just get over there. And there will be a point in this workout where you say to yourself, I have one more set. And when you do, you're going to feel perfect. Dude, I was a fucking mess. I came over here sweating through the activations of just re- like moving my neck around. I, then we're, and we're all doing like heavyweight lifting. By the end, we're doing 300 meter rows in under a minute and shoulder presses. 12 shoulder presses and that's how we're ending it out just repping it out until you can't go anymore and i am fucking pouring sweat but i'll tell you right now i feel like a million bucks it it all goes away goes away entirely in i don't have one bit of hangover in my body at all it and i said to Lacey, my trainer i said she goes she could see i was rough Uh, like i came in i didn't really talk and she was like you just gotta tap into your mickey mantle gene she was like you just gotta push it She's like, you're different. Just push it. And so she kind of thinks she maybe made the end because the rowing, rowing. I ran, I rowed 2,000 meters to, to start. Are you talking the rowing machine? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's awful. 2,000 meters to start as a warm-up. And then we did seven. And then we did boxing. We're doing boxing training. And then do uh, uh, 10 push-ups, 10 dips, 10 push-ups, 10 dips, 10 push-ups, 10 dips. Then shoulder presses. Then uh, fucking... The rows where you have the weight on the ground and you got to lift it off the fucking thing and then squats. And then, I mean, it was like, and I feel perfect right now. And that's the bad part is that's why I want to drink. I'll end up drinking with Eddie because I feel so good right now. Well, so you've hired this trainer. Yeah. You're you're getting in shape, but are you? Uh, Kind of. Well, I I have have exact, I have parameters on how good I can get in shape. Well, what, what is, uh, what are we doing? What what are we doing the trainer for? Is this for the movie? Yeah, it's because if I don't have some sort of game plan in line, I balloon up. Like, if you just leave me to my vices, like, like we, I do go big show, I show up there 
and I'm doing good for the first week. And then the first night Snoop wants to party and I realize I got access to Snoop. I'm partying every fucking night. So have you partied with Snoop? Yeah. What is that? Take me into that den. Oh, it's awesome. Is it just hanging around, smoking pot? What's the vibe? He's always got a blunt in his hand. Great music. He loves to play music and listen to great music where you go like, all of a sudden you you hear something he's listening to. And then the next morning at your workout, you're like, I'm going to deep dive that. And then you, then you find like a whole thing. I mean, sadly, a lot of it is me picking his brain about being a mogul, like being as big as he is and hip hop. I always want to know about hip hop. So like, it was just me hammering him about hip hop. And then, and then when we partied with Cody, like when, if Cody was involved, it was none of that. It was, it was Cody. Just Cody Rhodes. Uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes wrestler. Oh yeah, yeah. It's his son. Oh, okay. And he's fucking awesome. He's on the show. And so if it was me, Snoop and Cody. It was just cigars, bullshit. Snoop likes, he loves to reminisce. Like if you like, it's really cool. If you're like, remember football pencils? He's like, oh shit, football pencils. And you're like, and then you just reminisce about the, like he's, he's just a great dude. Yeah. Like a really solid dude. And, uh, and so as soon as I, I could party with Snoop and then, you know, Snoop lives a certain lifestyle that it's, he's a racehorse. You can't keep up with like eating wise. Like he'll eat, he eats whatever the fuck he wants and doesn't gain weight. And I'm not that guy. So I found out that he was eating oxtails and not getting the delivered lunches that we got like prepackaged lunches, you know, fish, a rice. And, and I go, Hey, what's for lunch today? One day to him. And he goes, who gives a fuck? I said, when he goes, I don't eat that bullshit. He's like, I eat oxtails i go get a soul food restaurant every day and i went for real he goes yeah you want that and i was like fuck yeah and i at the finale i am unrecognizable i'm so fat so and i stopped working out i started partying every night so i gotta get on a program just to keep myself at like 235 just to keep myself at 235 i gotta work out pretty hard okay so then you're gonna go and do the movie so Mm -hmm. are you continuing that workout on the movie same trainer all the gym equipment's been delivered to my house there and then uh and She's going to write up workouts. Now that I know the workouts, she can write up the workouts, send them to me. And then if we have any questions, Zoom. And uh, and then, and also I think it was getting myself to a place where I got excited. Like I, I benched 235 the other day. Oh, and well, I was, two plates on each uh, side? Yeah, the two, well, well two. I have different types of weights. So I have, I have 45 or I have 50 pound weights or 45 pound weights. And then ten, like I, oh, it's, it's, it's a 10 pounds more than a normal plate? I think so. I, whatever, whatever it was. Go back to Florida. Remember, 235 in Florida was, was two big plates on each side, right? That's 225. It's two, oh, 225. Two, that's right. I was explaining. I was explaining. So, do you lift weights growing up? Like, with like. Oh, yeah. That's like, what we were, you know, 220. Put two, you know, slapped it on. People got around. It was like, you know, you got on the edge. <laughs> 225 is the threshold. Like, okay, so I was trying to explain this to, because I had a very visceral reaction, like like body-wise. Like my body kind of shut down that day and I ended up, and I had ended up having like, it was like a release of energy. So two years ago, we were at Joe's studio and I said, throw 225 on, I can always put up 225. And I got pinned under it. Mm. And I was like, oh shit, I am now turning into an old man and it was really depressing because then joe did it 10 times and i was like ugh. and so the other day we've been doing bench press but not bench we waited for the rack the rack shows up she goes let's let's max out bench today and i was like fuck man 225 i was like 
And I tried to explain to my wife, maybe you can explain it. Do you remember the progression of when you first started lifting weights? When you look at other boys doing it and you'd be like, God, is that, what? that's 135. That seems like a lot. I'm doing just 35s on each side, not 45s yet. And then, and then when you'd grow from 45s, it would go 45s with 10s on. And then 40, like you'd do three sets. First was like a warm up with 25s on. Then you put on 135. That's 45s on each side. Then you'd put 10s on. Then you'd put fives on. And then that was like, okay, that's your workout. Now it's good time to go to incline. And then, but that growing up to get to like bench 200, bench 225, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a rite of passage. Yeah. And then when you can't do it, I mean, I, I, if I put 225 on there, there's no way I'm getting it off my chest. No way. I, I might lit. You ever you ever pick up the weight and right right away you're like yeah they, they ain't like not even try like when you picked up two twenty five in your head you were like I can't do this I was, or did I, you find out when you got down I found out when I got down and I couldn't get it off my chest and I was and I had like and I it was it was it was very tough pill to swallow so yes two two days ago I'm I'm trying not to pay attention and luckily my trainer is really bad with adding up weights sometimes which is an odd thing to be bad at if you're a trainer. Yeah. And she says, all right, that's 185 that's on right there. And it felt light. And I went, ooh, wow. She goes, okay, that's 205. And I'm looking at it like, oh, I don't think that's 205 in my head. But I'm like, all right, I'm going to whatever. So I do it and it still feels light. She goes, I'm going to put on 225. But she put on 235. And I looked at it and I was like, that's not 225. In my head, I was like, I haven't done 235 in a very long time. Let alone if I get, I go, I can't let my head, I need to know the exact weight. Like I needed to. And so I said, I don't think that's 225. She goes, no, it is. I said, no, I, I don't think it is. My wife's there. She's like, you got this, hon. It's my wife, my trainer and me maxing out bench. Dude, I got it up. And it was almost like all of a sudden I felt like there was possibilities for everything. <laughs> I got so, so. You do 235 four times four i did it four times wow yeah and i was like i was like this is fucking and then i said to her today i was like just you know we're getting 250 up before i leave for serbia and then because then if i'm if i'm i'll tell you right now if i throw up 250 i will do 100 push-ups every single fucking morning i will do because then you're incentivized to work out because your body's already fixing itself yeah and then you and then i don't know anything about weightlifting so you're i'm texting joe and tom like is is we're doing deadlifts and I go, is, is 205 or 305 good for a deadlift? And they're like, who the fuck's doing that? And I was like, me. And they're like, liars in the video. And I was like, here you go. Like I got, I'm obsessed with it now. So I'll, so I'll be, she'll be send me a workout and I'll be like excited to do a push up. Like I'm going to do 40 push ups in a row to see if I can do it for Tom. Cause Tom doesn't think I can do it. And I'm like, uh, I think I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I used to be able to do a hundred in a row. Wow. That's amazing what we used to do when we were younger. And now, you know, how old are you? 48. All right, 47. Yeah, there's no way. I do um, 35 each side. Nice. Maybe. and uh, Or less weight, more, more reps. reps. Because I got shoulder. Don't You have no ailments? No. Isn't that crazy? Ah, yeah, that's, uh, I got elbow and shoulder chest. But you look in you're in good shape i'm in all right shape I, I i i believe me over the pandemic i was looking at myself going wow this is embarrassing 
So uh, January 1st, my wife and I said, you know, let's, let's, let's. Oh, that's right. You guys stopped yeah, boozing. Stop boozing. Are you uh, still not boozing? Uh, weekends, you know, Friday, Saturday, just bottle of wine. We split it. It's not like, you know, I was never like a blitz drunk type of guy, but there's nights during the pandemic where, you know, a little bit more than I should be drinking, wake up. You got nowhere and, to go. Yeah. Hungover. The, my hangovers are like, they're not good. They're, they're crippling. They're, they're nothing like, uh, I'm going to do a workout and sweat it out. I've been there. I've done a workout in a steam. I come out and I'm in worse shape. <laughs> that's not, that's not me. I, last night I said, last night I had, I know that I had one, I, they opened a bottle of wine as if we were all going to drink it, but I was the one that had that bottle of wine. And the last sip i went you know what i'm gonna save myself and i put out the sip and my wife goes really you think that's gonna make a difference as as opposed to the whole bottle of fucking wine and i was like well it, every little bit helps <laughs> searing heartburn <laughs> it's coming you throw up in your throat and you spend the rest of the night trying to get the throw up out of your throat <clears> throat> fuck i wish i could just get in the weed this way oh my god I wish, uh, I, here are the things I wish. I wish I had gone to dinner at your house with your wife that you guys did the thing and you invited us and I so badly wanted to go. What thing was that? You guys did like a pizza party or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I so badly wanted to go when I, I think I was out of town that week. And, uh, and oh, we'll have another one. And I so badly want your dad to tell me how to cut my hair. <laughs> I want him to cut my hair and go, okay, just so you know, this is what you should be doing. My dad just had uh, uh, shoulder surgery, right? And he's 74. This guy's still cutting hair. 74 years old, still cutting hair. And he gets the surgery. He goes, it takes six months to recover from the surgery. Ooh. So he goes, yeah, when I go back, I go, go back. Dad, it's over. <laughs> it's hanging up. Yeah. But this guy wants to go back to work at a, a limited capacity and still cut hair with like half an arm. I go, and he goes, I can't retire. This guy's 74 years old and he's in a business where this ain't an old man business, you know, like yeah, yeah. he's not a barber. Yeah. He's a hairstylist. Yeah. So when you walk into like a Beverly Hills salon, you don't see an 80 year old man <laughs> cutting hair, right? That's what my big dad wants. Taking his arm out of a sling. All right, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, well, my dad, my dad's coming in May uh, and, and maybe, oh, you're going to be gone. But wait, we'll have you over. We're I would love over. that. I would love to have your dad cut my hair and go, oh, this is what. Like, because I, I I used to cut my own hair. I, I could cut hair. I used to be able to cut hair legit. Um, I, so I One of my OCD things I love, I love fucking watching people get their hair cut on Instagram, especially Puerto Ricans. If I had a, a passion project, I'd open a barbershop in a Puerto Rican neighborhood and just cut like 15-year-old Puerto Rican boys' hairs. <laughs> It's just i i would I, if if i could if you like give me a charity i would open up a barbershop inside a prison and just cut the latino hairs that's it just, just love latino hair i don't know man i i just get obsessed with it it's like it's uh, for whatever reason you know the good videos or they come in and they've got they need a haircut and their beards all over the place and when you, you it's it's a real cinderella story like it, you see them go from like just looking messy and like a kid or whatever to like looking as sharp as fuck. 
Yeah. And you're like, God damn it, man. You went from fucking zero miles per hour to a hundred. And I don't know. It, I know nothing ever does it. Like I, I can't watch black dudes get their hair cut. When you cut off dreadlocks, it breaks my heart. I go, don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to miss them. And then now you just like a, like a fucking regular guy. I would love to have dreadlocks. Oh, no, not me. Oh, no. I, I feel the same way when they do the homeless guy. You ever see where they do the homeless guy? He comes in and he's got just beard. Yeah, but then he smiles hair. and his teeth are all fucked up. So. <laughs> no. These Puerto Rican kids got great smiles. <laughs> <laughs> well, the transformation is so drastic. You're like, oh, wow, there's a real person under there. There's <laughs> a real person under there. <laughs> no, because sometimes, you know, it's like it's the hat and the hair yeah. and this and that, and they clean them up, and it's like, wow. I would like to take care of homeless people's feet. See, that's my, my that's my other thing is is I love My Feet Are Killing Me. Have you ever seen that show? No. Oh, my Feet Are Killing Me is like one of my favorite shows. What's it on? Like a Discovery? It's on Discovery. Or? It's about TLC. It's just people with feet problems come in, and I, for whatever reason, I'm obsessed with like anything skin there's this one guy that had like these warts on his feet i'd spend that. hours doing that i would spend i would that's when you feel like when i say that i don't feel like i i love this job because it never feels like work mm, cleaning feet i think would be something i would never feel like work really uh, oh wow i might be i would i would have been a great dental hygienist i like watching plaque get removed off teeth well, actually, I think you you did something on your own foot on Instagram where you took like uh, your foot literally looked like a like a rhinoceros. It gets it, so bad, my left foot, and I don't know why my left foot, but it gets so cracked and dirt gets in it because I'm barefoot all the time. Yeah, it's it's like it's, it's athlete's foot. No, it's not athlete's foot, right? Is that what athlete's foot is? Have you seen a podiatrist? No, I've never been to a podiatrist. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? I'm gonna let my foot. I just got to reach, reached out from Dr. Ebony from my foot, feet are killing me that her people reached out. They're like, we'd love to have her on the podcast. I should let my feet go to shit and then have her take a look at them and analyze them. Hey, again, I'm not Mr. Facts, you know, like, yeah. it's like, like we go on Joe Rogan's show. I feel like I'm ill-equipped to respond to any topic because I'm, I'm not well read on it. <laughs> Or, right. or, or for me, I'll end up reading a book and then getting on there. And you can, it's clear I read one book. And I'm like, have I ever told you about King Leopold? <laughs> oh, well. So don't quote me on this. But I believe that like cracked heel ash uh, is, is, a, is a form of athlete's foot. Then I fucking got it. Yeah. Because this, my left heel, I just shaved it last night. Oh, it looks perfect right now. It looks really good right now. My right one is never gets done. Well, you have, you bet you have great feet. <laughs> I bet you have great feet. I have a nice nice foot. I don't have toes for a sandal. And what I mean by that, looking at your feet, your your toes are long enough where you could put it in a in a sandal, and it looks good. I got like Flintstone feet, where it looks like somebody hammered them out. <laughs> and they're they're short. They don't have length to them. I bet Lana's got great feet. <laughs> Grew up in Florida. Anyone who like they people in Florida, people out of Florida, Florida feet, have great yeah. fucking feet. Yeah, she's got great feet, but she's got she has a bunion, so her you know her oh, really her, her toes move into the Nikki Glazer's got a bunion. Oh really? Yeah, and I and I, and I, it's, it's crazy. I know I know the guys who have bunions. <laughs> I keep up on feet. Um. 
All right, I gotta, yeah, I gotta let me get to you this, out of here. Uh, Super Mario, dude. Thing. This is awesome. This was great. Hey, man, I hope I uh, hope you enjoyed this as much as I did, and uh, we'll have you over after this movie's over. Please, I would love that. I would love that, and just keep posting more of your dinner videos. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you more. More. I'm gonna need shots. a lot of content to get me through this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother. I you appreciate it. it. Take care. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.